Welcome to Stuttgart Harvest Church as we are in part number four of a five-part series. Um, I am pretty transparent and I let folks know that I am a broken person and I have a natural tendency to do the wrong thing. Even if it will hurt me, I have a tendency to do the wrong thing. Even if it will hurt somebody else, I have a tendency to do the wrong thing and even if it hurts my future. And actually, I think the truth is probably we are all broken. In fact, we say at Stuttgart Harvest Church that we are the perfect place for imperfect people, and we mean that. Uh, if you are our guest today, you're off the hook. But for the rest of us, just a quick question. How many of you at some point in your life have felt like you have been broken or you have been drowning? Let me see your hand. So I, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I have too. I have been there as well. I'm glad that I'm not alone, and I think that does prove that we are the perfect place for imperfect people, Pe people, not people. <laughs> that didn't sound right, but here's the deal. For you, our guest today, even if this is your first Sunday with us in this series, you don't have to worry what we did in parts one, two, and three. Um, you can go back and catch up if you'd like to. But you don't have to, because what we're talking about today will have some application in your life today. You don't have to have everything that we've already talked about. We have uh, talked about a lot of things over the past three weeks. Now, these next things I'm going to say, I do not want you to raise your hand for these. I'm just going to give you some broad topics, some categories, some things that people sometimes feel in life, some things that people have experienced in life. And I just want you to hear them and think for yourself, is this something you have felt? Or perhaps if it's not something you have felt, think, is this something someone has felt that I know? But if you have to pick one or the other, please pick yourself because we want this to be very personal today. So don't raise your hand, but many people in life have dealt with this thing called depression. Some people have dealt with the feeling that their life was simply meaningless. Other people have dealt with a boatload of guilt. Others have dealt with addiction. Some have dealt with the feelingness of just having a life that is empty. Or maybe just the feeling of being super, super sad. Some have dealt with feelings of rage. Some have a fear of intimacy, which means just they keep people at a distance. Others have intermittent feelings of panic. Feelings, perhaps, maybe of being just a bad person, a person that no one can love, so maybe they feel unlovable. Sometimes we just simply have a distorted view of ourselves, or we have a distorted view of other people, or maybe we also have a distorted view of God. Now, this next one I'm going to say seems strange to be attached to this list, but perhaps you maybe have an excessive, uh, an excessive amount of caretaking of other people around you. I know that sounds weird, but an excessive amount meaning that you, you take care of people even to the point where it is perhaps damaging your own mental health. You know, studies have shown that the presence 
of many of these things that I just read through from that list, many of these things, the presence of some of those can be linked back, traced back to the quality and the depth of the relationships that you have in your life right now. In other words, having a weak and a distant relationship can leave us feeling many of the things that I just talked about. And when we feel those things, sometimes our world feels out of control. Sometimes our world, when we're feeling some of those things, feels chaotic and maybe even just a bit crazy. Now, if if you have felt any of those things that I just talked about, you're not alone. And you're not crazy. Even the psalmist, one of the psalmists in the Bible, felt that way too. Listen to what he said. It's going to be on the screen. Psalm 73. He said, Then I realized that my heart was bitter. And I was all torn up on the inside. So he's understanding this chaotic feeling. And he goes on to verse 22. I was so foolish and ignorant, I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. In other words, my life was so chaotic and so turned upside down, the things I was feeling and experiencing, the people on the outside looking in must have thought that I was crazy. We learned a long time ago in our lives how to relate to other people. We learned a long time ago as children how to connect to other people. We learn it. It's a skill that we learn in our homes growing up, and then we often, then that skill turns into a habit. This is how I always relate to people, and we take that with us into all of our other relationships as we grow older. So as a teenager, we take it with us into uh, our life as we grow older. As an adult, we take that with us, and that is our, that becomes our way, uh, our how-to, our manual of how to relate to people. Um, we learn a long time ago how to connect with other people, and more importantly, I think we could say we learn how not to connect with other people. Every family has a set of relationship rules that say this is how you relate to the people in this, in this family. These are the things you do in this family. These are the things you do not do relationally in this family. And those rules become usually our rules for relating to people in life. Now, these rules are not written down. Um, your family does not sit you down and and say, okay, now we're going to go over our list of family relationship rules. It's not taught that way. We just learn over the course of time what does and does not work in our family. And we, we learn that as we grow up. It's a unique set of rules. Every family has different rules. And these rules really become as rigid as a commandment. We could call them the relationship commandments. I I have a list here of ten commandments for relationship rules. None of these may be your family's rules. This is just an example, okay? 
These may not be yours. Let me read through this list of commandments for a family uh, just as an example. Here's one. Number one, thou shalt not let anyone get emotionally close to you. Keep your distance. Number two, thou shalt not tell the truth about how you are feeling. If you are hurt, keep, keep it a secret. Number three, thou shalt always be willing to lie if it will keep the peace in the family. Number four, thou shalt try to look good on the outside no matter what's going on on the inside, after all, it's more important the way you look on the outside. Number five, thou shalt achieve highly and bring honor to the family and the family name. Number six, thou shalt never leave or cleave, for that would make the rest of the family very, very, very sad. Number seven, thou shalt not talk about any family matter outside of the home or any hurt that you sustain here. Breaking loyalty is an abomination. Number seven, if it hurts, stuff it down and suck it up. Number nine, tender feelings show weakness. Number ten, thou shalt be emotionally independent from birth. Now, these are what could be called an example of some family rules for a family that is detached. Your family may not be detached at all. In fact, your family may be more enmeshed, which means to be an enmeshed family, it's the opposite of detached. An enmeshed family would mean everybody in your family, everybody is all up in everybody's business all the time. <laughs> That's enmeshed. Maybe your family rules for relating deal with being enmeshed. I, I don't know what your rules were growing up, we all have a set of rules, and we learn them at a very young age. So, what do we do? Since every one of us was raised under some type of relationship rules, and those rules usually, usually they go into our adult life. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes we leave them behind. But most often, we take those rules with us into our adult life. This list that we just read from, this list does not represent God's rules for relationships. This would represent just an average family growing up, perhaps. God has his own list. He has his own way of relating. But so often, we don't really know what God's way of relating is. We just know what we have grown up with. And that kind of becomes our spiritual guide, those family rules that we grew up with. But for us, in order to grow, in order us, for us to move on, as we follow Jesus, we have got to get to the point where we adopt God's plan for how to do relationships. We've got to learn a new way to relate to people. In fact, we've said in this series that God says to all of us, He says, come to me. God would say to you, and He says to me as well, 
Come to me just as you are. You don't have to clean your life up. You don't have to get it all straightened up. You don't have to get all your relationships in order. You don't have to get all of your life in order, all of your problems in order. He says, come to me just as you are. And that's God's grace. And God says, add to that my grace, add to my grace my truth, he says. And the truth of God says this, that I love you. God says, I love you too much to leave you in the broken state in which I found you. I love you too much to leave you broken, to leave you drowning. And so I want to change you from the inside out. So it's God's grace plus God's truth. And that change happens over the course of the next thing. It is plus time. And over the rest of your life, the course of the rest of your life, as you start following Jesus, he's changing you slowly from the inside out. Grace plus truth plus time. And last week we said minus us. In other words, we, we don't wait to serve God, pursue God, love God. We don't wait until we get our lives in order and then I'm going to serve God. No, 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 no. We said last week minus us, minus ourselves. We step outside of that and we serve in order to get better. So grace plus truth plus time minus ourselves, and that leads us to today, our next step. There's another plus, plus others. And we have to add others to our lives God's way, not our way. See, we grew up with a way to add others and subtract others. But we have to learn to do that God's way. Sometimes we struggle with being connected in a deep relationship to other people, in a friendship with other people. We struggle with that because we have been hurt in this life. And when we've been hurt, we seem to spend years and years and years of our lives trying to fix our hearts. And so we take our heart and we put it in the ER. The problem is, it's our ER. And the other problem is, we're the, we're the doctor on call, <laughs> And so we have our heart in the ER, and we are working on it, trying to fix our hearts the best way we know. When someone has hurt us, we put our heart in the ER, and we try to fix it. And we spend years and years and years of our lives trying to fix our hearts. Problem is, we're unable to do it. Because we're using the wrong kind of medicine. We're using the wrong kind of treatment. We're just simply using all we know. It just happens to be wrong. Listen to what this counselor wrote. Let me read this to you. He says that the heart, your heart, my heart, when it has been hurt by other people, the heart is like any other injury. First, you feel the pain. So we feel that pain deeply. You feel the pain and then you go into shock where the pain begins to numb. So he says your heart ache is like any other injury. Your body goes into shock. You begin... You feel the pain, it goes into shock, you begin to numb and not feel the pain. Same thing for your heart in a relationship, in a friendship, when you've been hurt. If you have good support, then, he says, the pain will begin to return. And here's why. He notes this. Listen to this truth. There's an old adage, he says, and it's true. It has to get worse before it can get better. He says, as the pain heart comes into a good relationship, it is strengthened and it is growing. So, in other words, if you have good support, you, your body begins to go out of shock and you begin to feel that pain again. 
It was gone for a while, but suddenly, so it's getting worse before it gets better. And we're like, what is up with this? And then he said, he describes that process like this. As a paint heart comes back into a good relationship, it is strengthened and it grows. But this process, he says, is like exercising a very sore limb or muscle. He says, people with sore muscles or sore hearts, if you have been hurt in a friendship, sore muscles or sore hearts must learn to be patient while rehabilitating. How many of you have, have been for a, a surgery or for a, a, a messed up part of your body, a shoulder, a knee or something? How many of you have ended up in, in rehab, where they have exercised that. How many of you found that somewhat painful? Yeah, from what I hear. Haven't been there. How many of you were uncomfortable? You were pushed. You were, you were, you were made to be uncomfortable. You were pushed as you exercised that. And here's what that counselor is saying. Your heart when it has been hurt and harmed in a friendship, your heart is the same. You have to begin to exercise that friendship heart again. You have to begin to work that out and put it in rehab where it is placed in uncomfortable situations all for the good. If you ever want to use that limb or that joint again, you have to do the right exercises to get it working in the proper way, to use it in the way it was designed. If you don't, you may never use it again the same way it's supposed to be used. Same thing's true with our heart, this counselor says. We have to exercise it. We have to put it in uncomfortable situations where it stretches and it grows so that we can use it again the way it is designed to be used. This exercise, this heart rehab, it hurts, it's uncomfortable, but it's necessary. Do you know that according to God, according to God, the soul cannot prosper, cannot function as intended, without being connected to other people. This is according to God's plan. Your soul cannot function the way God intends for it to function without being connected to other people. You see, God is a relational God. God is in relationship with Himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And God is in relationship with you. And God has designed you to be in relationship with Him, and God has designed you to be in relationship with the people around you. God is relational. He has designed you to be relational. No matter how many great things you can accomplish in this life, no matter how talented you are, no matter how many gifts God has given you, no matter what you can accomplish without strong and healthy and deep emotional connectedness to other people, without 
you being bonded to God, and without you being bonded to other people, you will suffer a sickness of the soul. This is how God describes it. Current research tells us that when you are in a, in a healthy, connected, bonded relationship with another individual, a friendship, research shows that we are alive and that we are growing. But when we are in isolation, when we are keeping people at a distance, we're slowly dying. The Bible has told us this for millennia. Over and over again, it describes how that is true in our lives. So I, I want to read some things that prove from, a, from the Bible's perspective exactly what we just said that science is proving now. That the inner self, your heart, affects your whole lives. Let me read through these very quickly. Proverbs 4.23, the Bible says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Some translations say it's the wellspring of your life. The next one, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy, though, not a non-peaceful heart, is like cancer in the bones. It goes on, a glad heart makes a happy face. A broken heart crushes the spirit. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Here's another one. There's many, many more. I'm just going to end with this one. The human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear a crushed spirit? In other words, the Bible is saying, and it has said for centuries, for millennia, the Bible is saying what science is proving today. Our emotional and our psychological, in some cases physiological well-being, it depends upon the status of our heart. And there's one more step. And the status of our heart depends upon the depth and the quality of our bonds with God and other people. I want to say that one more time. Our psychological well-being, our mental health, even our physiology, to some extent, depends upon the status of our heart. And the status of our heart depends upon the depth and the quality of our bonds, first with God and then with other people. You know that thinking that we can grow as a follower of Jesus, that we can mature as a follower of Jesus on our own, it's actually unbiblical, even though it's very popular. It's very popular for people to say, oh, I can, I can I, you know, I, it's just between me and God. It's nobody else. I don't need them. I don't need other people. This is me and God thing. I don't need a church. That's just man's, that's man's religion. That's man's way of spirituality. It's just me and God. That's all I need. I mean, it sounds really good. It just happens to be completely wrong. That is not what God says, and God does not agree with you. Not at all. Not in the least. In fact, that is unbiblical to say that. Thinking that you can become more and more like Jesus, that you can become more mature as a believer, and at the same time keep other people who are, who are believers at a distance, thinking that is unbiblical. You can't be like Jesus 
and stay away from bonding and stay away from emotional connectedness with other people. It can't happen. In fact, listen to how God describes this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. If we love our brothers and our sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. I wish I could talk about this some more, but i got to move on. That is powerful. Saying that we love God without living love into and being connected to other believers is actually heresy, which that's just a big word to say. It is totally against what God has said. That is totally opposite of what God has said. God has nothing to do with that statement. That's heresy. He goes on and says this in chapter 4, verse 20 of the same book. If someone says, I love God, but he hates a fellow believer, well, then that person's a liar. For we don't love people. We, if, if we don't love people we can't see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? See, by God's design, a bonding relationship to other people who are following Jesus it does at least three things. I'm sure it does many, many more, but it does at least three. If we have a bonding relationship with other people, an emotionally connected relationship to other believers, it's going to do at least three things. Here's the first one. It's going to help us develop a sense of morality. Let, let me tell you what I mean by that. I'm going to need some participation here verbally in just a moment. Let's say I had a baseball bat. If I have a baseball bat and I give you permission, I say, you have permission, here's the bat, to bash my head in. Just bash my face in, as some of you may want to. <laughs> I give you permission, I say, bash my face in, here you go, yes or no. Will you do it? Yes or no. Anybody? Do I have any yeses? I, I don't, do I? How many no's do I have? I will not bash your face in. That's pretty much everybody, I hope. <laughs> I see those hands. Yes, I see those hands. Okay, put your hands down. Here's my question now. If the answer is no, no, Harley, we're not going to bash your face in. Now, let me hear some reasons. There's, there's at least a few, surely, reasons why you would not bash in my face. Can I hear some? Why wouldn't you? Because I did, Okay, I didn't do anything to you. Good reason. What else? Because you love me. Awesome. What else? Say that. It's wrong. It is wrong. It, that is not right. That is not right. Any other reasons why you wouldn't bash my face in? <laughs> Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you very much. Any other reasons? It kind of goes along with the word love. Because that would really hurt, wouldn't it? And, you know, I'm just guessing if you love me, you don't want to hurt me. Is that true? Okay, now think with me for a moment, because we have proved, there, there are many reasons why it wouldn't be a good idea to bash my face in. Um, if we just go out on the street, let's say um, we, uh, let's hit uh, Little Rock, um, downtown, um, Friday night, let's say about 2 o'clock in the morning, and there's going to be a couple of overwhelming reasons to not bash my face in. One, one guy says, I'm not going to bash your face in because um, it is against the law. I'm not going to bash your face in. It's against the law. 
Another guy says, Harley, I'm not going to bash your face in. You can trust me. I'm not going to bash your face in because, man, that would hurt. That would really hurt. If that is you, you have to choose one person to hand the bat to, both of whom you've given permission to bash your face in. Which one would you hand the bat to? The person who said, that's illegal. Or the person who said, that would hurt. It's very likely that you might hand that bat to the person who said that would hurt. And here's the reason. Deep inside of our mind, we understand that every single day we prove with our actions and our decisions that we are willing to do things that are illegal. I mean, it may not be a real bad, bad thing, but we we're willing to do some things that are illegal, some things that the rules say don't do. Sign says drive 55. That's the limit. But, <laughs> you know. Sign says don't pass on the double yellow line. But I can clearly see. Let's get around real quick. We're willing to do things that aren't necessarily allowed but when it comes to hurting somebody, we have a some kind of connectedness that says, I don't want to hurt you. Now, there's something special that happens in our relationships when you become emotionally connected with another person who's following Jesus. There's something in you that begins to change, not on the level of rules, but on the level of, I don't want to hurt them. When we are in relationship and emotionally connecting with other people, our morality grows. That's one of the things that happens. Now, I'm not promising you. We all know we have all been hurt by someone in church. Most of us have. If you haven't, you are the exception probably. Most of us have been hurt by people in church. So I'm not saying you will never, ever, ever be hurt. But what we're learning is God says, if you're going to follow me, part of my plan is that you are emotionally invested into people who are also following me. And part of that process in life that happens is we grow in the perspective of, I don't want to hurt them. We grow. We fail but we also grow in that area. That's one thing that happens by God's plan about bonding with other people. Here's another thing. By God's design, having a bonding relationship with other people who are following Jesus, it allows us to grow in our ability to handle stress. It allows us to grow. Listen to how the Bible puts this in Ecclesiastes 4.12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated but two can stand back to back and conquer. And three is even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. In other words, you can handle more when you have another person you're emotionally connected with who's following Jesus. You can handle more together than you can when you're isolated. Listen to what he said before this. Let's look at verse 9 and 10. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, 
The other person can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Now, listen, as your pastor, I, I get to see, I get the privilege of seeing people, lives coming in to this church and being a part of this body and beginning to grow and beginning to connect. But I also have the pain of seeing people slowly, sometimes quickly, but so often slowly pull away from the church body. And I don't look at them with judgment and like, you really ought to be, I don't look at, no, 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 no. I look at them with care and love. And the church as a whole does not look at that person and say, oh man, I can't believe they're not there. I can't, no, no, no. My perspective is this. I understand as they pull away from the body, they are putting themselves in a position where they don't have as much support or ability to handle the stressful things of life because they are finding themselves further and further and further from the very hands that are designed to reach out and to help. That's my fear. We've all seen that. Maybe someone in your family who has slowly pulled away and they've become isolated and then when they fall, they are in real, real trouble. That's what happens here as well. As you are connected and growing emotionally invested into the people around you who are also growing and following Jesus, your ability to handle stress grows because you're connected, you're bonded. Here's a third thing that happens. By God's design, a, a bonding relationships with, a relationship with other people who are following Jesus, it gives you a place to belong. It gives you a place to belong. Our souls are searching for that connectedness, a place to belong. And I did not specifically use the, the phrase fit in for a reason. Because for someone to fit in, it means they have to change something about themselves that I don't like. And if you don't change what I don't like, then you will not fit in here. No, 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 that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about belonging. In other words, God has created you. God is the master that makes you his masterpiece. And yes, since he created us, we've messed some things up ourselves, haven't we? We have. But you don't have to change that to be here. You belong here. As God's masterpiece, you belong here. Grace plus truth plus time. What? He's going he's gonna to do all the changing. You belong. That's by God's design. That's by God's design. I love that. In God's kingdom... Everybody belongs, and everyone has a great purpose. You belong here. Now, listen to this. God is not asking you to develop a deep bond, a deep connection with everyone. Don't misunderstand that. That's not what he's asking. Now, yes, God tells us, we are to love our enemies. He tells us that. And God tells us to pray for the people who actually persecute us. However, 
those who do not believe in the importance of God's love. They are the enemies of your soul. You're told to love them. Yes. You're told to pray for them. Yes. Let me say this another way. Those who reject God's love, those who reject God's ways, God calls you to love them. God calls you to pray for them. But God is not telling you to let them have their hands on your heart. That's not what we're saying. God is not telling you to enter a deep bond of friendship, not to enter a deep bond of relationship with that person. Don't let that person have their hands on your heart. We actually get to be choosy. We get to be cautious. We have to be wise with who we allow to have their hands of friendship, of deep friendship, of emotional connectedness. We get to be wise and choosy with who we allow to have their hands upon our hearts. Over and over, God's wisdom tells us that we must seek out people in our lives who will help lead us toward the, the likeness, the image of God. And we must avoid deep relationships with people who are pulling us away from the image of God. Let me give you an example of how God words this. It, it's in a pledge that David... One of the psalm writers, David says to God, it's in Psalm 101, starting with verse 6. He says, I will search, David says, I will search for faithful people to be my companions. Only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. David is saying, I am going to be wise about who I allow to be close to my heart, to have their hands on my heart. I will be a wise. I will be wise about that. And then in addition... Through David, God is telling us this, that we need to at the same time stay away from people who are going to be hurtful to our hearts. Keep those people at a distance. Here is how he words that. David says in verse 7, I will not allow deceivers to serve in my house, and liars will not stay in my presence. So what does all of this mean? What is all of this about? I believe that we need to begin to examine the relationships that we have in our lives right now. And we need to see, is that relationship helping me to grow toward the image of God? You see, for all of us, we need to begin saying no to deep, emotionally connected relationships with people who are pulling us away from God. And we need to say yes to what is good. It is difficult to live life in a friendship, bonded, emotionally connected to the wrong kind of person. The psalmist states 
that when a person has been hurt, when a person, their heart has been damaged by a friendship. The psalmist writes that that produces life wounds. it's It's a hurt that produces scars, emotional scars on your life, emotional uh, cuts. And listen to how the psalmist describes this. It's going to be on the screen. It's Psalm 129. He says, my back is covered with cuts as if a farmer had plowed long furrows. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I have been so emotionally wounded That it is as if a farmer has taken a tractor and a plow and dug deep cuts and deep ruts, deep furrows all over my back. I, he's saying, have wounds from the way people have treated me. I have been cut and hurt and abused. Life wounds. And some of you are saying, yep, Harley. Oh, I know about those life wounds. People close to me have cut me, and they have cut me deep. They have hurt me. They have harmed me. They have scarred me. I have been, I have paid a price for being close, emotionally connected to that person. And the psalmist says, no more. The psalmist says it doesn't have to happen. No more, the psalmist says in verse 4. But the Lord is good. He has cut me free from the ropes of the ungodly. Every emotionally abused person knows what those deep cuts feel like. But the psalmist assures us That God has cut us free from being in a relationship, a deep, emotionally connected relationship with that person. He's cut us free from the cords of the wicked who have their hands around your heart. Now listen to me. I'm not talking about your spouse. That's a whole nother teaching. Today we're talking about your deep friendships. Your deep friendships. We don't have to stay bonded or connected in a deep friendship with somebody who is harming you. You can step away from that harm and you can still have your heart open wide to connecting deeply with other people. With people who are closely following Jesus. But most of us, we we don't know how to do that. Because all we know how to do is how to relate to people with what we learned as we grew up. And that's what we're still carrying into our adult lives. And, and, And we don't know how, we don't know how to relate and how to grow that deep, healthy relationship with someone who's following Jesus. We, we, we can't stop. Our our desire is just to step back and keep everybody at a distance, but we can't step back away from having relationships, deep, emotionally connected, bonded relationships with people who are following Jesus. 
We have to step toward those. And I know that many of us, myself included, struggle with that. We don't know how to do it. So this week, I want to give you some encouragement. It's not all the encouragement you'll need, but it will get you started. Here's what I would like you to do. Starting today. In fact, it goes up in three minutes. Starting today, I've got a post that's going to be posted on the blog. StuttgartHarvestChurch.org. That's the blog site. There'll be links on on the church Facebook page. But starting today and then at 8 o'clock, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, today through Thursday, there will be on the blog each day a little paragraph, just a couple of paragraphs to encourage you in some baby steps toward connecting in an emotionally deep connected way how to begin that you're not going to get there overnight it's it's a journey but how to begin that process each day this week i'm going to give you some encouragement some steps and i'm going to ask you will you read that blog this week monday tuesday today through thursday basically here's the second thing if you're in a group i'm going to ask you Maybe you've kind of stepped back. Maybe you've kind of fallen back just a little bit. I'm going to ask you, if you're in a group, will you finish this trimester strong? Jump in. Jump back in. Finish the trimester strong. If you're not in a group, you you have an opportunity coming up in, 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 I think, in September to begin signing up for a new group. We turn around. We launch our third trimester very soon. So will you, if you're not in a group, will you commit? to be a part of a group because there you find one of the best opportunities to begin to locate people, not everybody, but some people where you can develop some deep emotional connectedness with Stuttgart Harvest Church. Will you sign up to be a part of a group? And here's the third thing. The people that you are in a friendship with right now, in your life, right now, A friendship with someone who is not active in another church. Some of those people have some deep, deep, deep cuts in their back. Where they have been stabbed. They have been hurt. Where the wrong person had their hands around their heart and they crushed. They squeeze the life out of them. And they are a living scar. That person that is coming to your mind right now is the person you probably need to invite to sit right beside you in this safe place. Where they can respond to God's grace. Come just like as you are. Just like you are. They can respond to God's truth that says, God says, I love you too much to leave you the way I found you. Broken and hurting. Just give him some time. And then step outside of yourself and begin to serve and love. We don't serve. We don't wait till we're better to serve. We serve to get better. And then add others. As we once again learn to take the risk to invest into an emotionally connected, deep, healthy relationship with another Christ follower. 
you might save their life by having them sit right beside you. Jesus may change them forever. And in doing so, He may change their family forever. Generations. Because you recognize their life was cut and hurt. And you ask Him to sit beside you. Power is yours. Give it away. Let's pray. Father, many of us have been cut deeply in our lives. We've been cut, we've been hurt by someone who had their hands around our heart and they crushed it. God, we need your wisdom to know how we should progress. God, we admit to you that you did not place us here to live our lives alone. We admit that we need other Christ followers, God, who are invested in our lives. God, we admit that we need your help. We need your help to take these steps, Jesus. God, we ask that you would give us some kind of guidance and wisdom, some kind of help as we take some of these steps. God, give us some help on the blog this week. God, use our small groups to help us move forward this week. And God, I pray that you would use Christ followers inside of Stuttgart Harvest Church to help us grow more like you, Jesus. And Jesus, it is in your name, the only name that counts, you, Jesus. That's what we pray in your name. Amen.